you Yeah, yo There whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you, here by that I'm behind you But always got you, end the discussion, nothing means more First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a partake Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them, along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, hopping down, cause feeling's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all. Welcome to another episode of Dad Is Not Now, changing the narrative for men of color and fatherhood, as well as changing the narrative on the things I care about. And on this episode of Dad Is Not Now, I wanted to figure out where did that word Christian nationalist come from, or or Christian nationalism um, came from, or who used that terminology first. And so I did a lot of research and I found out it came from a gentleman by the name of Gerald L. K. Smith. Um, he's a clergyman, a politician. Uh, he ran for president in 1944, I do believe, but it didn't work. But his terminology, the words he used, is similar to what a lot of the politicians use today. He wanted the portion of Jewish people as well as black people, uh, as well as just 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 hateful speech using the cross as his reason why. And so on this episode of That Is Not A Now, you're gonna hear his own words from his, I think he had like a radio show back then called The Cross and the Flag, where he talks about basically hate speech and why America's first, which is kind of eerily similar to someone who previously uses that in his campaign. So take the time, listen, and follow and share. I'm out. Peace. General MacArthur personifies traditional Americanism in its clash with treason, atheistic politics, communism, wide variety of anti-Christ manipulations which now prevail. General MacArthur's removal from his Far Eastern Command came shortly after he had urged the White House executives to investigate treason in the nation's capital. The very fact that America's greatest soldier statesmen could be removed while traitors and spies were sheltered should be enough to challenge every intelligent citizen. Enemies of America's independence have succeeded in preoccupying millions of our citizens with the tempting and seductive opportunities of finance and amusement. The result has been so hypnotic and deadening that only a small percentage of us have paused to take a second look at what has really been taking place. When General MacArthur returned, after having been removed from his command, he was greeted and cheered 
by more human beings than any personality in human history. The leaders of the Christian nationalist movement have dedicated themselves to the mobilization of the very people who cheered MacArthur. America could be saved from its potential and present dangers if the citizens who took MacArthur's side could be mobilized into an active, uncompromising political force. The great soldier statesman gave inspiration to our cause when, shortly after his return, he said, the two greatest symbols in this civilization are the cross and the flag. This statement overwhelmed me. It inspired me especially in view of the fact that the official organ of the Christian Nationalist Crusade is the magazine, the cross, and the flag. The motive behind the term Christian Nationalist is easy to define and simple to interpret. We believe that the destiny of America in relationship to its governing authority must be kept in the hands of our own people. We must never be governed by aliens. We must keep control of our own money and our own blood. In other words, we must remain true to the Declaration of Independence. That is nationalism. Like General MacArthur, we believe that the spiritual symbol of our statesmanship is the cross, which indeed is the symbol of Christianity. We believe that the inspiring dynamic out of which America grew is Christianity. We believe that there would be no real America such as we love and for which we're willing to die if there had been no Christianity. Thus, when a Christian is a nationalist, he becomes necessarily a Christian nationalist. This movement which now reaches into every state and community in the nation launched its campaign years ago in relationship to ten high principles to which we have committed ourselves. The first principle is, preserve America as a Christian nation, being conscious of the fact that there is a highly organized campaign to substitute Jewish tradition for Christian tradition. The most powerful Jewish organization in America is the Anti-Defamation League, which has launched a campaign to remove from all public schools any songbook which contains a Christmas carol or any other hymn which mentions the name of Jesus. On March 30, 1956, Rabbi Nodell, one of the prominent rabbis of the nation who heads the leading synagogue of Oregon in Portland, revealed without veneer or even a sugarcoat the basic attitude of organized jury toward our Christian traditions. The Portland Oregonian, the state's leading newspaper, carried a report on Rabbi Nodell's address. The article appeared in the Sunday paper, April 1st, 1956. The first paragraph of the article reads as follows, I quote, Rabbi Julius J. Nodell, in the role of defense attorney for the Jews of the world, Friday night, branded the New Testament a work of malicious libel, and the story of events leading to Jesus Christ's trial and crucifixion, a dragon seed from which has come misery, bloodshed, and suspicion. End of quotation. There is no hate in my heart, but I would be less than a lover of Christ if I did not resist all attempts now being made to destroy our Christian tradition. 
The second principle for which we stand reads as follows. Expose, fight, and outlaw communism. We have been the most consistent enemies of communism on a nationwide basis to be found anywhere. When Stalin was alive, the news agency Pravda of Moscow published the names in the spring of 1945 of the Kremlin's five most effective enemies in America. My name was on that list, and when W.Z. Foster, head of the American Communist Party, testified before the Un-American Activities Committee, he confessed that the two chief projects for that particular time consisted first in putting an end to the work of the Un-American Activities Committee of Congress, and second, in combating the influence of Gerald L. K. Smith and the movement he leads. The third principle on which Christian nationalism has built its nationwide movement, safeguard American liberty against the menace of bureaucratic fascism. Bureaucratic fascism has appeared in an American form. It is a cross between Kremlin communism, English-German socialism, Italian fascism, and New Dealism. American fascism as we now have it is confiscating independent wealth by way of the income tax and destroying the liberty of the states by way of the Supreme Court. At this very moment, we face the risk of a nine-man fascist dictatorship posing as the Supreme Court of the United States, completely contrary to constitutional traditions. The fourth principle, maintain a government set up by the majority, which abuses no minority, and is abused by no minority. Fight mongrelization and all attempts being made to force the intermixture of the black and white races. True enough, the Constitution guarantees that every citizen shall enjoy the privileges defined therein. No segment of our society must be denied these privileges by force or even majority rule. But we have a situation in America today which splits the majority and transfers to the Supreme Court a tyranny which has been created by the manipulation of minorities, subversive forces, exploiting sentimental nitwits are reading into the Constitution a code of conduct which threatens to mongrelize our race, destroy our racial self-respect, and enslave the white man. The fifth principle, protect and earmark national resources for our own citizens first. America has given away her reserves. We have bankrupted our economy our national debt, our state and local government debts, plus our personal debts, far exceed the assessed valuation of every visible piece of property in the United States. This epidemic of economic bloodletting began at a time when Jew internationalists in control of propaganda almost convinced a majority of our people that it was subversive to use the term America first. In fact, during and immediately following World War II, some people who had taken an aggressive stand in defense of America first were incarcerated, indicted, and held up to ridicule, which produced character assassination. Our sixth principle, maintain the George Washington foreign policy of friendship with all nations, trade with all nations, entangling alliances with none. Our failure to follow the George Washington policy has yielded the fruit of chaos 
which our foreign policy now portrays. Seven, oppose a world government and a super state. The Christian Nationalist Crusade directs an auxiliary committee known as the Citizens Congressional Committee to abolish the United Nations. We believe that the whole UN project is a subversive conspiracy to destroy our independence. Alger Hiss, the number one exposed traitor, was the executive secretary of the committee which prepared the original charter at Dumbarton Oaks in Washington, D.C., and later brought about the adoption of the charter at San Francisco. The original designer of this subversive charter fought to give us a complete world government in which America would be only a voting state. Thanks to the Christian Nationalist Crusade and those associated with us organically or sympathetically, certain extreme measures were stricken from the original charter. But those who are vigorously determined to destroy our independence and subordinate our beautiful nation to the voting power of a billion aliens, these treasonable manipulators have never given up in their campaign to subdue us and enslave us by way of a world government and a super state. The eighth principle for which we stand reads as follows. Prove that the worker, the farmer, the businessman, the veteran, the unemployed, the aged, and the infirm can enjoy more abundance under the true American system than any alien system. Subversive, Superficial nitwits, mind-washed propagandists are always attacking the traditional American economic system of free enterprise. But strange enough, the nations which have embraced Marxist communism and socialism all the way from Russia through Europe to England never give up in their campaign to borrow and use and keep the capitalistic dollars which have been produced under our American system. Not since the creation of the race have human beings prospered and been blessed the way Americans were privileged to exist in the, this, the first two centuries of our independence. Anyone who seeks to destroy this economic tradition of abundance should be viewed as a dangerous enemy of America. It is miraculous to observe that this dynamic system of free enterprise has survived in spite of 20 years of socialistic sabotage. Ninth principle reads as follows. Safeguard America's tradition in relationship to immigration. The same conspirators who would destroy our nation and its independence by treason from within or by the establishment of a world government, these same forces are ready to let down the bars and admit the Asiatics, the Africans, and the European multitudes. This campaign to destroy our immigration tradition is supported by every Jewish and communist organization in the world. They are ready to smear and assassinate the character of any state who stands in their way. Fortunately, we have been able to hold the line. But if the wall ever breaks, we will be invaded and destroyed without the firing of a shot. Merely by the act of indiscriminate admission of aliens to our shores. Tenth principle, enforce the Constitution as it pertains to our monetary system. I claim to be no expert on the subject of monetary reform, 
But the Christian nationalist crusade takes its stand with those patriots who insist that we must free our nation from the manipulating chicanery of the money changer and we must establish a monetary program in complete harmony with the constitutional provision. On these ten principles we take our stand and I defy any cynic or any critic or any objective observer to deny that these ten principles define traditional Americanism. This is not a negative movement. We are not in the business of just being against something. It is our deep conviction that every crusade must commit itself to a great positive. And we must be for that positive even at the risk of life itself. The positive in this crusade is Christianity and the Constitution of the United States. Once we commit ourselves to this great spiritual patriotic implication, we naturally must be known as fighting every symptom, every gesture that appears in opposition to our Christian constitutional tradition. These become our negatives. Negatives are valuable only when they appear in defense of a great positive. Men who are against things without being for great principles serve little constructive value in the affairs of this life. I realize fully that in this brief address there can be no complete thoroughness. What has been said has been so said that it might awaken the listener to a deeper concern and a sharper alert. May I remind you that what has been said here is in fulfillment of the challenge which General MacArthur has given us as he says. Listen not to those voices that are raised against our American tradition, be they from one political party or from the other, be they from the high and the mighty or the lowly and the forgotten. Heed them not. Visit upon them a righteous scorn born of the past sacrifices of your fighting sons and daughters. Repudiate them in the marketplace, on the platform, from the pulpit, our friends will understand. Those who are not our friends, we can pass by. Be proud to be called national if it means that you love your country above all else and will place your life in deep at the service of our land. Yeah, there whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you, here but that I am behind you But always got you, end of discussion, nothing means more First wanna offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a partake Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded, prepare you For all of the above that I'm never letting get near you But still in all, give you every advantage I found Couldn't find a better fit for them, along with my crown And since the baton was passed, I've been down Cause failing's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all my message to any dad, man, first off, know that, yeah, it, it is a hard job, but it's the greatest job in the world. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't change anything about it. Everything you're doing from here on out, if it didn't have purpose before, now it has purpose. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. 
just be a dad.